Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. This is the place to learn how to get through your worst rock bottom and start to embrace adversity. I'm your host, Petra Belzebor. I'm a therapist and a life coach, but my biggest learning is from my own rock bottom. My story includes being raised in a cult, dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and alcoholism. But along the way, I've learned to turn my entire life around to one of success, joy, and fulfillment. So in this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all walks of life who've done the same. I'll be teasing out the skills and tools necessary, as well as using my own experience to teach you how to turn your adversity into your biggest advantage. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I am thrilled today to have a good friend uh, named Samantha Clark on the podcast with us today. Now she has the best job titles in the world. She's a happiness consultant, uh, a lecturer, and she's a founder of the Growth and Happiness School. Um, Samantha, welcome today. Oh, thanks for having me. Now what are you, if you were to fill up some of the blanks there, what are you passionate about in your work and your life right now? Oh, so much. Um, I'm just really excited that I get to work with people to help them find their individual kind of work happiness and purpose um, and help them grow and also to really work with companies to create better environments that support and nurture and help people to flourish. Um, And I'm lucky that I get to do that by, you know, having my online school I have a podcast as well, Conversations with Samantha Rand, um, which basically goes into also my love for like technology and happiness and how that all kind of is changing us socially. Yeah. Um, Do do you think um, we're less of a happy nation at the moment? Are people struggling in some way? So I think there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of upheaval, um, a lot of uh, tension. um, And I think we are really looking for ways to um, find our anchor in in the midst of, you know, political changes and um, differences. Um, and, you know, it's about us thinking, okay, how can we um, look inwards and, you know, create our own happiness, but also how can we share that with others and bring that to, even if it is just your neighbor, your partner, um, your colleague at work, it all ripples outwards if we do our bit. Absolutely. And if we uh, and if we somehow look after ourselves and our own resources, resilience, happiness, um, it comes from a fuller place when we're able to kind of have that ripple effect outwards. Yeah. Exciting. I totally believe that. I think it's about um, I'm I'm on a course at the moment um, looking at kind of happiness from the Bhutanese model. And it is very much around looking at internal transformation to aid greater outer transformation. So that's like a real motto. How amazing. Um, and I absolutely believe it's it's starting from the inside and it's starting with us. And that's the purpose of this podcast is really to uh, gather people's stories and their tips and tricks for uh, f- feeling that happiness and, and building that success, whatever that means to them. So give us a little bit of context. If we can just jump right back to the, the early days of Samantha Clark. Um, give us a bit of context about growing up. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you? Do you think your, your parents or the education system sort of prepared you for the real world? Oh, interesting question. Um, so, you know, I come from like my mom and dad are, uh, they came over here when they were relatively young. My mom was 15 and my dad was 18 and they were very, they had a very strong work ethic. So I grew up in a household where my parents were very, 
um, dedicated to their job. And, uh, you know, my mom was almost like superwoman. She was kind of raising me, um, working and then studying for her master's in the evening and still putting together a full, uh, you know, meal from scratch. And, um, and as I grew up, you know, they were instilled in me about, you know, education and making sure you give everything your best and, you'll keep your word and there were certain principles and but I remember going into school and kind of loving certain subjects and not loving others and I um I kind of did management and marketing at uni at the behest I guess of my parents because they were like do do a proper university degree not art right Um, (laughs) and and as I went into work I just became very disillusioned with the jobs that I had I just didn't really enjoy advertising I didn't enjoy what I was selling. I didn't feel like it fit my, my sole purpose. Um, and you know, I started to kind of break away from, I guess my parents mantra of, you know, sticking with a a particular kind of career and you, you go and excel in that. And I just couldn't find what was rightly mine. Um, and then I went on a period of exploration and I started throwing out ideas to them about being location independent and having a portfolio career. And, uh, they just didn't understand that. (laughs) So there was a lot of back and forth, I think, um, in my twenties, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted for myself and also not trying to disappoint them, but also trying to find my own way and knowing that I just couldn't fit into the box of the nine to five just wasn't me. I can imagine that was quite a, a journey and it's often the people closest to us that can bring about the, the biggest fear in a way, just because they have, you know, they love us and they have our best mm-hmm. interests at heart. Um, but they'd say, oh, be careful, you know, don't take that risk. Or as you said, generationally, they just didn't understand what this new way of work could be like. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, um, I'd be like, what are you still, what are you doing here? Are you, aren't you working today? And I'm like, yes, I am working, but I'm working for my laptop. And right. it's just a re-education. And I think, you know, as we see now with even the younger generation looking for more and more purpose in their work and more and more flexibility. And again, that's kind of shaping and rocking the kind of corporate world in terms of how they think about retaining some of these people and um, reaching out to them in a way that works for them. Um you know, it's all, it's all the generational kind of trends. Yeah. And did, did you feel that growing up you had a sense of, of belonging, whether that was with a, a tribe, people call it, or um, with a, a school group or with a friendship group? Um, I think I was always a little bit of a, I was a bit of a weird geek, I think, mm-hmm. probably, and a little bit of a social awkward butterfly. <laughs> that doesn't sound like you and at all. I think, you know, I was dip. No, yeah, I was, oh my gosh, I was so, but I was, I was really shy. Um, and I, I have uh, sickle cell anemia. So there are a few times where I was very sick. And so there's, there was a lot of explaining and there was like, you know, notes off. I wasn't able to go swimming and lots of things when you're excluded out of being able to do certain things growing up in school, it kind of puts you in a different circle. So you, you don't, you no longer have anything to talk about in terms of the sports because you weren't there or you weren't able to take part in that. So I was generally a bit of a loner and a bit shy. Um, and I think, I guess I flourished a bit more at university and um, college and got out talking to different people. And, um, but I, yeah, I was, I was very shy. So I wasn't, I wasn't popular or anything. <laughs> I wasn't all. popular. Oh. I was, and, and a, a little bit of a distant experience from other people due to sort of this diagnosis or illness. Mm-hmm. How old were you yeah. when all that came about? 
So it's genetic. So it's kind of, it was always there, but I, I guess it was lying dormant. And I think I was about five and I had um, a double whammy of like meningitis and pneumonia. And um, I, I was in hospital for quite a while. I remember having my fifth birthday actually in hospital. And the doctors were like, you know, we're still a bit concerned. She's not getting better. She's not responding to the meds. And then they did all these other tests. And they were like, oh, she's got sickle cell. Um, and this is why she's not getting any better. And then my mum and dad didn't know anything. They didn't realize they had a trait. Um, and so for them, it was a bit of a shock. And obviously a re-education of learning about the illness. And, um, you know, that kind of changed things after that. So, um yeah. yeah. So, so it's really something that you've um, had alongside you in your life, uh, throughout your life, from pretty much as early as you can remember. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you remember needing to ad- adjust to that or when you actually noticed that it was impacting your life, that you were maybe uh, experiencing things differently than your peers? Um, I think I definitely noticed it at school. Um certain things like you know uh different sports i was always exhausted um winter you know people would have the odd cold and for me it would be like you know a week and a bit off school um and then i think when i got to uni and i was like really embracing uni life and my body was like no (laughs) (laughs) what is all this drinking um and uh, yeah and then i had like a at my first year i had a, a real bout of illness i think in january and um that kind of like it was a bit of a warning of like no you've really got to kind of this isn't Uh, something to dismiss you've got to take care of yourself and then it kind of changed and I think my 20s I didn't really suffer um as much I think I had a a few ups and downs and then I've noticed in my 30s I think it's I've had a, a few more periods of crisis and hospitalizations more so than I had in my 20s so I guess maybe it's also the transitions of work and life and um stress and different things but you know it's it's one of those things where I you know I go for my um six monthly checkup so it's it's always an awareness but I did have a conversation with a friend recently and I said sometimes I I don't think I have it and I just carry because it's one of those things no one can see Mm. like no one will look at me and think, oh, she's, you know, suffering from X. It's only when they see me in severe pain that they're like, oh, okay, you know, this is something. And so for me, I guess in some ways I've, I've felt like it's been a bit of an invisible thing. Then when I get the, the pains and I have to go to hospital, I'm like, oh, here you are. And, uh, it's, it's always been a bit frustrating because I'm like, oh, okay. So you're, you're there. <laughs> um, but, at the same time, it's kind of like, I don't also want to wear it as a cross. That's like, you know, this is what's wrong with me. Treat me with care. But, um, cause I've hated that as well. Sure. And so it's navigating how you feel about it and how you want to present maybe that vulnerability or that side of you to, to the world. Yes, definitely. And I'm curious about how this has impacted your, your mind, your mindset, your, your state of mind, because often that, that physical illness, especially when it's uh, sort of invisible to, to others, can really have an effect on, on that side of us. And I know that you're such a driven, successful person. Um, and so I'm curious about how it's affected your, your mind. Yeah, I mean, 
I think there have been a few times where I've been quite low. I think maybe just a little bit up. I think the the, the issue is that I'm I'm really driven. Um, yeah, is, is that the issue? <laughs> no, well, that's the issue. But it's like you know, I am. I just love what I do. Yeah. And whether or not I'm lecturing at the School of Life or I'm doing like a workshop or I'm preparing some amazing ideas, I just love it. And the minute that I, my body is just can't sustain it. Uh, yeah. just can't keep up with where my brain wants to go. I get frustrated. And then what does that and look like when you're, you're frustrated just as you're at your own body? Um, oh, it, it can be, I think, yeah, it's, it's just, um, I don't even know how to put it in words. It's like you're lying there and when you step outside of yourself, you're like, Sam, you've got all these things you want to do. And, and, you know, there are, when I get pains, you know, predominantly I get them in my legs and my ankles and I just can't walk. And I find, you know, over the years I've gotten a lot better at it, but the vulnerability of having to ask people to, you know, pick up food shopping or to come and cook for me and you know my friends will do it out anyway it's not you know they're just like why the hell didn't you ask me sooner but for me it's like that's a fundamental thing that I can do and I know how to do but right now I can barely walk two steps (laughs) and so um right right now is in this present moment yeah, in that present moment, if I'm sick or I'm kind of, if I've just had a crisis and I feel like my legs feel like Bambi legs, I like this just, I just can't do anything. So I've just got to sit with it. And I think this year has been particularly trying because I had, um, actually there's been two moments in my life where I'm like, Hmm, it's interesting. How has this taught me mentally to be stronger? Um, and uh, you know, this year was one of them where I had like, you know, uh, different kind of tests and they, they thought there was something wrong with my spleen. And so I had to have a, a bone marrow biopsy and I've, and that's like the most excruciating is, pain. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I basically spent most of January, like horizontal in bed. And I was so frustrated. <laughs> I was so annoyed and frustrated and everyone's like, it's cold. You don't need to go anywhere. Just relax, ease into it. And I, I found it very difficult, mentally challenging, mentally keeping my sanity, keeping, um, keeping the fun up. Um, and I just gave in. I think I actually just relaxed into it and just kind of just like, I'm not going to fight this anymore. It is what it is. Um, and started watching Grey's from the very beginning. Lovely. <laughs> that through 14, 14 I've seen uh, all seasons now. Series. <laughs> that, that's a win for the year. That's a win for the year, yeah. Um, and I'm curious about the asking for help thing, because I do find that when we're at our lowest points, it's often the time that we, we isolate. There's a lot of that, the, the shame <laughs> around needing help. And you, you've touched on this a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. and I guess at some points you absolutely physically have to ask for help, but I'm wondering Mm -hmm. about that struggle in between the sort of helplessness to trying to do it for yourself and then the going, the, the leaning in, as you say, and actually asking for help and what relief that might bring, or does the shame factor come up even more? I'm just always curious about the timing that it takes for people to ask for help. Yeah, that's a big one. Hard, right? Um, yeah, because I, uh, you know, my friend always says to me, she's like, "Why do you wait so long?" Right, so to- you're in complete pain and desperate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so even when I think about relationships, and we've just started dating, and I'm always a bit umming and ahhing between, 
when do I say, what do I, and unfortunately in a few cases they've, you know, they've witnessed me having a crisis and even then I'm still not asking for help from that person and they're like, come on, Sam, this is ridiculous. Um, and, you know, them just wanting to know. And I think I've always felt like I didn't want to rely on anybody else or I didn't want to feel like, you know, I've got this. I'm an only child as well, so I've always grown up being quite um, self-reliant and, uh, it sounds you know. it sounds like learnt behaviour as well. The way you described your mum uh, and her her sense of uh, achievement and drive yes. and uh, strength that that sort of you know what you learned is how a woman behaves. Yeah, and so you know, there's no time for weakness, um, and there's no time to just kind of uh, self pity, self self pity. None of that. Um, and even, you know, when I am sick now, like for me, I'm like max, I only want to be in hospital maximum two days, one day, if I can get out straight away, I will. And it, the doctor's like, no. as if it's up to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm leaving. Um, and then, you know, getting back home the next day and my friend's like, okay, what can we bring you? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. Um, and they're like, no, no, no. We, we know <laughs> you enough. We know you well yeah. enough now. Uh, but I, I, I've all, I think that's been a big thing for me and I'm, I'm getting a lot better at it. Um, you know, as I'm in my mid thirties now, I'm finally able to say, actually this hurts and I need help or, um, you know, I just don't, or other people will notice it and say, okay, you've been hiding. I remember I was in Thailand once with a friend and, um, we were swimming all day and I think I just overdid it and I was limping to the car and she's like, you were in pain, aren't you? And I was just like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she had to ask like, you though. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, normally I would, uh, previously I would have probably said no and uh, continued kind of. Denied it, struck, kept it underneath. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was, that was an interesting kind of turn of events from there, but it's an ongoing journey for me. I'm getting better. Um, I, and I think it's, it's something that I'm, you know, writing about in my next course. Um, the kind of the be happy element, the E is for exposure and thinking about why we are so resistant to receiving, um, you know, it's easy and especially, you know, in the work that I do and what that you do, we're about caring for people and giving. And it's interesting to see how we can sit with receivership. Like, what does it feel like to when someone wants to give to you and why are you not open to it? Because, you know, my friend said, I actually feel really upset when you say no. Mm. So you're like denying them the, the, you know, fulfillment of giving to you in some way. Yeah, because she's like, you're always there. And the one time that I feel like... I don't feel helpless because there's nothing I can do. Like when I see you writhing in pain and I'm in hospital and all I can do is hold your hand. And I know the role that I could play is when you get out of here and you're going to need someone to, you know, drive you somewhere or pick you up. And then you tell me no. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That's a different perspective on it, isn't it? Yeah, totally. How interesting. Um, and uh, interesting, you brought up the, the dating element and I'm sort of recently back in or recently back into the scenario of dating, having recently been uh, divorced. Um, and just the vulnerability angle of, you know, receiving, as you say, or putting yourself out there and showing who you really are and what you really need. There's so much learning within that process. So much. Um, because everyone is coming to uh, the table with their own luggage, you know, they're coming with fear, they're coming with maybe past rejection. There's, and it's like, how do we kind of 
find out whether or not this this is someone that we can go on a journey with um uh, you know are they willing to flaws and all yeah are they willing to go on this journey and unpack some of the luggage with me or is it just kind of you know or is it not or do what do we want from this and I think there's so much it's like a game of chess sometimes um and but even that I think there's something about letting go and just surrendering to the process and seeing what happens and I think that's a metaphor for also how we embrace illness and whatever just lean into it live in the moment as well don't overthink the outcome Totally. If we could all do more of that, right? Uh, It's a a steep learning curve. Um, So I think you you may have uh, answered this already, but um, I often refer to, you know, rock bottoms or when when adversity hits us in such a big way. Um, Would you say that it's those sort of those two examples of when when your illness sort of made you crash that you would define as a, a rock bottom or is there something else within your life? Um, well, it's funny, actually, related to my illness, I was actually on, I guess, one of the first holidays of a lifetime when I went to Brazil um, a couple of years ago. And this was like my first foray into living and working abroad. You know, it's one of those things I've always said, I want to spend my winter somewhere warm nice. and I'd be kind of remote working. And so this Brazil was a massive kind of test, not only of that idea, but also... yeah could it be done? I was out there for seven weeks. And, um, and it's just, uh, you know, when I look back on it now, I just think there were just definitely angels along the way that helped because I was traveling with friends and I think we were together for part of the journey. And then just before we were about to separate, my phone died and, um, we went to, I was going to meet a friend and, uh, throughout I was staying four days with her and then I was going to be on my own for a week and a half celebrating my birthday like in this space and she said oh you know we'll fix your phone and it wasn't until the day before I was leaving her that I was like oh maybe I should buy a new one and she's like no actually I found an old one you might be able to send and receive emails we'll get it configured and we got it sorted and then I went to this uh, kind of new hotel and um I, it was halfway through and I'd gone to like a, a, a class and I, hurt, I I felt like I'd hurt my back and I got to my room and I was literally crawling on the floor with agony and I was screaming and screaming and screaming and you're in one of these little villas so everyone's kind of quite separated and mm-hmm. because I was screaming somebody walking by heard me and they called the hospital and um, I was out in this remote part of Brazil so like you know, there's literally a local like makeshift hospital (laughs) and they took me there and she's like, Oh, maybe we just hurt your back. We'll just give you some painkillers. And they sent me back and the pain just continued to get worse, like so much worse. And I called my insurance company and I said, I can't work out if I've hurt my back or I'm having a crisis, like in my back, I just don't know, but it's something just doesn't feel right. And I'm sweating and I'm just, I'm really, and so at this point I'm alone with very, I've got like my phone, um, I've just got that phone that my friend gave me, um, and, uh, none of my, uh, the connection and everything was breaking up. So I'm using the hotel to call my insurance company. Anyway, they were like, okay, look, we're going to ship you to Sao Paulo. So they had to kind of send, I get, got on a plane. Like it was all just so intense. I'm, I'm on this journey on my own because my friends are in a different part of Brazil. You know, Brazil's massive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I'm like, so I get to the hospital and the guy, um, I'm shivering. No, sorry. I get to the hotel 
Um, and they booked an appointment for me the next day to go and see this back doctor at a really, you know, brilliant hospital in Sao Paulo, get to the hotel. I just about managed to put myself in a cab to get to the hospital. At this point, I just took my phone and, um, my passport and nothing else. Cause my brain just wasn't even focusing. I was in so much pain. Of course. Of course get to the hospital and the guy says to me okay this isn't back pain you've definitely there's something going on we're gonna have to keep you in uh, do you speak any brazilian portuguese mm-hmm. like uh, no, no. <laughs> he says okay um interesting uh and then he says okay lie here and they take me to this white room and no word of a lie petra i thought i was going to die there because <laughs> i I get into this room and it's, you know, just generally one of those things they need to check if your insurance is going to work and you don't get any kind of pain, like you get low level pain relief, but you get nothing else until they figure out you can pay for this. Right. And so with all the, uh, kind of trying to find it on this phone, trying to connect with my documents, they can't connect with the, the, the number of my insurance company, like back and forth, back and forth. Oh God. And so they left me in this room. So I was there for about six hours and I was like, alone with your just, thoughts, alone with my thoughts in this white room. And I'm basically you're going to die. I, yeah, I've got no idea what's wrong with me. I just know that I'm crying in pain. I've managed to somehow communicate to the woman that I need a charger for my phone because it's going to die. And if if you guys want me to connect to my yeah. insurance, I need a phone. And, um, and like, that's just been the scariest point of my life. And it's like, I, I just being there on my own, just thinking, what if nobody, what if, you know, and I sent a message to my friend and she hadn't had any reception, so it didn't go through. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to die here. And, um, and finally they come back after six hours and they're like, everything's connected and they take me to this other ward. And, uh, you know, the, it was just, a, a kind of journey of like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm like, what goes on in those six hours? Yes, you're saying, I'm going to die here, but, like, is your life flashing before your eyes? Are you just, what's going on? My life is flashing before my eyes. I'm thinking about, and at the same time, I didn't want to worry my parents, so I hadn't emailed them yet to say, you know, I this might is die a situation here. I might die here, uh, <laughs> because that would just send my mom and my dad into some sort of tailspin. Sure, so and there's like, not much they can do out on the other side of the world. No. And then obviously every time you, the internet clocks out after a while, so you've got to kind of keep logging into it. And then, you know, between phone battery about to die and needing that for insurance, plus thinking, actually, I need to reach out to people. Um, you got to prioritize. Yeah. And you're just thinking, God, you know, then I was just sending out love and gratitude to everyone in my life. <laughs> and I just, yeah, that moment of being like, okay, this could possibly be my last days here. Um, because you know, you don't have any, he didn't, he was just like, something's really wrong with you, but it's not your back. And, and what was wrong of, with you in the, end, in the end? So essentially, um, and it's just very, so scary. So it, it seems like I must've caught pneumonia on one of the flights and, um, it had been lying dormant like as a like an internal infection and the activity that I was doing just triggered off a chain of events um in my back and that triggered off a crisis which then triggered off because the it's funny that as the day went on the pain was spreading up my back and through um my chest and so she's like that's the pneumonia and um the actual crisis was you know happening in my kidneys and my blood was all just like 
breaking down and she's like, you know, you are extremely anemic. Um, and so she was like, we have to get you on the strongest course of antibiotics possible. And then, you know, when you finally get your insurance comes through and everything's agreed, you get upgraded to this really plush, like you go from the white room to like some sort of spa bedroom. And I mean, the one thing I can say, the staff are incredible. Like it's a, a real testament to even if you don't speak the same language, compassion, love and caring just transcends any kind of language barrier because you know the, we couldn't really communicate with each other apart from google translate and like hello um it does show how much we rely on technology right just to so get us much. through any kind of crisis or anything anything and then when it's not there it's just it's scary because i was like oh my god my phone is about to die um this you know. is it how and every question I had for every nurse was charger <laughs> <laughs> google translate charger it's like charger, charger, charger in every language <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that was one of the scariest journeys I've ever had and you're you're there on your own so it's like once I finally reach out to uh, I got through to the people they were like oh my god I know this person in Sao Paulo they'll come and bring you clothes because I'd literally just walked out of my hotel with my phone and my passport my passport so I had no clothes nothing um and so what, yeah. so these, I mean, there's this whole string of events, right? And, and um, things that you've had to mentally and physically adapt to over your, your lifetime. And I'm yeah. just wanting to kind of draw out now, what were the things that got you through it? How, what did you, I mean, I imagine, you know, thinking you're going to die gives you a bit of perspective on, on what to appreciate in life. What, mm. what got you through these things? Um, just... I don't know. There was just, you just find this inner strength. Um, and this tenacity, I think this is the work, the, the tenacity that I have in my work and this kind of compulsion to keep going. I was just like, I, whilst I feel like I might going to die here, I am actually not going to die here. Like I can't, yeah. this isn't physically possible. And every alternative, you know, I was sneakily using phones. I wasn't allowed to try and see if I could dial out and call. Like <laughs> it was just, you know, you, you start to just get really creative and think, uh, you know, there has to be a way out of this. I have to pull through. So you've got and, to rely on yourself and find your inner resourcefulness just to survive. Yeah, totally. And also just try and connect in, in a way with people because, you know, in this situation, yes, I was in hospital. So like the nurses were extremely kind of caring, and even though they couldn't communicate, they understood, you know, um, they understood like Your my pain. worry yeah. and my pain. And so, you know, having that vulnerability with them and the tears, you know, one lady, she actually wrote in translation. She's like, I've never seen, she's like, every time I see you, I want to cry, but she's like, I know I've got to be strong for you. Oh, like you know because it's it's frustrating I was alone like in this place that for me was supposed to be an adventure holiday and you know the the journey of whether or not I could actually do this in a foreign country you know live this long and it's just like oh actually uh, some things are out of your control some things are out of my control um but I made it and uh, I didn't get to see Rio, unfortunately, because uh, I spent that week in hospital. So it's, you know, testament that I need to go back to Brazil and enjoy the the last leg of my journey. Absolutely. And yeah, just to know that you can do it. I think, you know, sometimes we think, oh, I just don't know if I'm going to make it or this hill feels so insurmountable, but it never is. There is always that resource within you and also your ability to connect with others. Make, it makes all the difference, it. right? Yeah. 
the ability to connect. And so this is, you know, the, the illness that you live with um, is, is a struggle that is, is with you at all times, whether mm-hmm. it's active or sort of dormant. Um, and I'm just wondering what kind of routines or, or self-care, what, what do you put in place now to be able to continue achieving at this amazing optimum level that you, you seem to be at? Mm. Um, so I definitely, um, I definitely find myself uh, really increasing my levels of self-care. So I'm extremely kind of aware of if I'm tired, just don't push myself. Um, and I... How hard is that, though? Uh, well, I'm getting a lot easier. I'm getting a lot better at it. <laughs> I mean, I went away on a course last week, and I had I came back, and I had two days of workshops. And yesterday, I got up and... You know, I was like, oh, I could do this, this, and this. And I was like, actually, no, I'm, I'm just going to go back to bed. <laughs> um, yeah. And, so you, I bet you, know, you, you recognize the symptoms or the signs of, of, you know, a lack of self-care maybe earlier on now just because yes. of the practice. Yeah. And I'm getting better at, you know, honestly saying to people, like, I know we had plans to meet today, but I'm just too tired. Um, and they understand. But I think it's it's – having that communication factor than, you know, just feeling like they feel like they're being blown out. It's, you know, the more you can communicate and, um, listen, you know, listen think, to your body and your mind, listen to your body, listen to your mind, but also tell people what you need because, you know, we're all wandering around in the dark sometimes trying to figure each other out. And I think if you can be honest and say, uh, you know, I need this right now. Um, and if you can help me kind of understand that or get to that place, like I'd be really grateful. And if not, then that's cool too. But like, I, I'm just so that you're aware. Um, but that's, it is really easier said than done because you've got to then deal with the not knowing of how they might respond and making that, you know, uh, assessment on, okay, if they don't understand, actually, I have to be okay with letting this go or letting this relationship shift, but you've got to be true to what you need. Yeah, Totally. But I think I, I think in order to get to that point, the honesty and the vulnerability will take you to that level. And I think the, the reasons that some of my past relationships haven't worked or, um, you know, the initial dating phases, it's just because I wasn't honest enough for them to tell them in the first place. This is what I'm suffering with. And so when you go from naught to 60 and you see it and you think, OK, why wasn't there a level of honesty or vulnerability um, I can't expect them to just immediately understand it. So I think it's an, it's an, it's a, I don't know, it's a process of learning for both, but I think you also have to get comfortable with not everyone's going to give you what you need when you need it. And you have to be okay with that too. And you, all you can be responsible for is communicating your side and letting go of the outcome. Yes, totally. So wise, so much wisdom. Um, what, what advice would you give to somebody who may have an invisible illness, whether that's a, a mental health issue or a physical illness, who really wants to achieve and maybe has that self-doubt in their head going, hey, I've got this thing, maybe I can't. What advice would you give them? I think you can. Definitely you can. I think you just have to figure out like how, what do you, how badly do you want it. And you can't let it become you or claim you or keep you in a cage, you know. Um, and I know that I'm also 
lucky with my illness in that sense that there are some people who are in and out of hospital like every week or who have transfusions and I have to think to myself you know I'm here for a reason there's been quite a few near-death experiences and I'm here to deliver a purpose in the world and that that also keeps me going um to know that you've made it this far um I've made it to the age that I am and I you know I've got a lot to share and I think when I have I'm living in purpose and I'm living with the goal that I set that takes me through. So just find something that you can use as your kind of strength, your anchor, your kind of, uh, you know, just be that rock and whatever crashes, whatever waves crash against you, just keep yourself solid and remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing and what it is that you want to achieve and what you want to give out to everybody else. Um, and be aware of what you need as well. You know, don't, do this just uh, to be some sort of hero or whatever like if you need to rest it's okay to rest and factor that into how you work you know one of the key things that I've been able to to do is to really build work that will allow me to schedule my diary and to have time out and to just not be on the go commuting every day Monday to Friday I couldn't do that and yeah, and what's exciting is you're showing the possibility where this new world of, you know, flexibility within the way that we work can be built and can actually work for you within any of these challenges that we face. Yeah, definitely. I think you can, you know, the opportunity is there for you to mold and shape. You just have to grab it, um, be aware of your body, be aware of, of how you feel and be open, you know, find your circle, your unit, your tribe. Um, your sisterhood, brotherhood, who are going to support you on this journey and be there for you no matter what. You know, I, I call them like my 3 a.m. friends, like uh-huh. in that sense that if there is any kind of crisis, you know, they're there and I'm there for them in just the same way. So, you know, really work on building your support tapestry that will keep you solid and grounded because you can't do it on your own and you shouldn't have to. And it takes investment um, as far as connection and openness. Definitely. Investment from yourself is is the big thing. You know, this isn't just going to happen overnight. You've definitely got to reach out, connect with people, um, you know, make the space to to grow and to show gratitude and to to show each other that kind of love. Um, and it, And then it works both ways, you know. Absolutely. Um, and I imagine this the adversity and the challenge that is is ever present with you actually, adds value in the work that you do as far as who you present yourself as, what you give out in the amazing work that you do. Would you say that's true or would you be like, oh, if I could just get rid of this thing, um, I would? I'd be lying if I said that there haven't been moments where I'm like, gosh, I'd just like to be normal. Of course. (laughs) But I think I'm I'm seeing it more. There's something that my friend said to me a long time ago, Anne-Marie, and she has always, always said to me from the minute we started as friends, you know, God, 16, 15 years ago, um, she said, this is your superhero thing. She's like, you're like Clark Kent and Superwoman. Like, it is. Your superpower. This is your superpower. Like, you should embrace it. You know, and I never understood that. I always was like, whatever, you have no idea. And she's like, I do have an idea. I see you in pain. I know what it feels like. And maybe I don't know fully how it feels like, but I can see it. And I can, when you squeeze my hand, I feel that kind of pain. So she, she just says that it's your, it's your superhero and you need to see it as this is the thing that gives you that incredible strength, um, going in an edge. Um, 
that you tap into with your work daily and connect with people in a different way. And if you didn't have it, you know, you wouldn't be doing the work that you're doing because you wouldn't have created this path for yourself. You wouldn't be so altruistic and caring and compassionate. She's like, it's all shaped you into the woman that you are today. Um, so be grateful. So I do have my little gratitude process for my illness. Um, what does that look like? Is that sort of a morning routine or something else? I just generally give myself, uh, like, you know, I'm just really grateful for today. I've woken up, I'm pain free. I feel well. Um, and I'm grateful for my body and movement and, you know, I'm getting better also at when I am in pain, I'm grateful for what the pain is showing me, what it's telling me. Um, and you know, the, the fact that it is, it's helping me to become stronger, um, so there's a, a learning opportunity sort of looking at it that way rather than something that's holding you back definitely definitely Samantha you're an absolute inspiration I'm so oh. I'm so proud to know you the couple of years ago when we first met I think our eyes locked across the room uh, <laughs> right? we've been in touch um, ever since um, I, I love the work that you're you're doing where, where can people find you if they want to work with you or if they want to get you to lecture or get involved in some way Oh, great. So, um, so thank you first and foremost for having me on the show. Um, yes, we have had that kind of, kind of connection and growth and, um, I'm loving seeing you evolve and really, um, step into your own as well with this kind of show and everything else that you're doing. You, so that's, you, you know a bit about my journey and how, how hard it's been to get here. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, totally. But you know, a true testament to overcoming adversity and moving it into an advantage uh, place and to kind of you know take that next step in your life and climb that next uh, adventure yeah just be brave right yeah totally um, so if, if individuals listening um, want to connect with me um, they can find me at samantha and.co or they can check out my growth and happiness school at growth and happiness co kind of you know a bit forward thinking like that no.co.uk just.co Look at you. And, um, <laughs> check me out on instagram at samantha and underscore twitter is also the same and my instagram account for the school is at grow happy lovely we'll we'll add all of that into the show notes if, if you haven't uh, jotted it down so that you can find samantha uh, learn about your own growth and happiness. Uh, she's obviously coming from a wealth of personal knowledge as well as extensive experience, uh, both in, in workplaces and personally. Samantha, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. We wish you all the best for the future. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If something helped you today, please do share this episode with a friend and let them know that they are not alone. I know that for me, isolation kept me stuck much longer than I needed to be. So let's practice courage and talk to someone about what's going on, as that's the first step to making life amazing. Check out my website, petravelsboer.com, for your free Kickstarter plan, which will teach you to turn your biggest weaknesses into your greatest strengths. Join the community of people who are changing the way they view life's challenges and living life to the full. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.